Hello everyone and welcome to Random Thought Bubbles. Today's topic, our fifth president, James Monroe. On April 28, 1758, in Westmoreland County, Virginia, James Monroe was born to Spence and Elizabeth Monroe. James's father, Spence, was a prosperous planter, and as such, James spent a lot of time in fields and learning how to farm. At the age of 11, Monroe attended a school run by Reverend Archibald Campbell. His time at the school was shared with John Marshall, who later became the Chief Justice of the United States. In 1774, Monroe entered the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. It was an exciting time to be in Williamsburg. Royal Governor Dunmore had fled the capital, fearing that the colonists were a danger to him and his family. Once he left, Monroe and his fellow classmates helped loot the arsenal at the governor's palace. They escaped with 200 muskets and 300 swords, which they donated to the Virginia militia. In the winter of 1776, in the wake of Lexington and Concord, Monroe had joined the Virginia Monroe joined the Virginia infantry. He became an officer in the Continental Army and joined General George Washington's army in New York. During the revolution, Monroe fought with distinction in several important battles, including Trenton, Monmouth, Brandywine, and Germantown. He was severely hurt at the Battle of Trenton, suffering a near-fatal wound to his shoulder as he led a charge against enemy cannon. Once he recuperated, he became a staff officer for General William Alexander. At the end of his service with the Continental Army, he had gained the rank of Major. He resigned his commission in the Continental Army in 1779 and was appointed Colonel of the Virginia Service, in the Virginia Service. In 1780, Governor Thomas Jefferson sent Monroe to North Carolina to report on the advance of the British. After the war, Monroe studied law, taking Thomas Jefferson as his mentor. He was elected to the Virginia Assembly in 1782. Elected to the Continental Congress in 1783, Monroe worked for expanding the power of Congress, organizing government for the Western country, and protecting American navigations on the Mississippi River. At the beginning of Monroe's presidency in 1817, Americans were feeling generally optimistic. The nation had declared victory in the War of 1812 and the economy was booming, allowing Monroe to turn his attention towards domestic issues. The new president was personable, extremely popular, and interested in reaching out to all the regions of the country. One of Monroe's greatest accomplishments was the Missouri Compromise. Missouri Compromise. Early in 1819, settlers in the Missouri Territory applied for admission to the Union. Around 16-17% to 17 of the Missouri settlers were slaves, and most of the white settlers either owned slaves or hoped to become slave owners in the future. Debate on Missouri's uh, admission into the Union exploded when James Talmadge Jr. of New York attached two amendments to the statehood bill. The first banned new slaves from entering the state, and the second emancipated all Missouri slaves born after admission upon their 25th birthday. Basically, the Talmadge Amendments would admit Missouri only as a free state. 
The North had a majority in the House of Representatives in 1819, and the South controlled a bare majority in the Senate. Voting was strictly sectional on the Talmadge Amendments. The amendments passed in the House but lost in the Senate. The House refused to admit Missouri as a slave state, but the Senate insisted upon it. Monroe understood the volatile nature and the danger that he was treading into about near the debate and the strong regional divide over slavery. However, he, thought, he did think it was unconstitutional to place special restrictions on the admission of one particular state, like the Talmadge Amendments did. Monroe feared that the dispute would divide the Union and worked in support of a compromise package in Congress. Thus, the Missouri Compromise was born. Basically, the Missouri Compromise stated that Missouri would be admitted into the Union as a slave state, but Maine would also be uh, admitted into as a free state, thus offsetting fears that the South would gain votes in the Senate with the admission of Missouri. Additionally, it was agreed, after much behind-the-scenes deal-making, that Missouri would be admitted as a slave state in return for the Slout's willingness to outlaw slavery in western territories, above the 36-30 north latitude line. That line would open present-day Arkansas and Oklahoma to slavery, but would forbid it throughout the rest of the Louisiana territories. Another one of Monroe's greatest domestic accomplishments was the domestic system. As the United States continued to grow, many Americans advocated a system of internal improvements to help the country develop. Monroe thought this was a good idea. He believed that the growing nation needed an improved infrastructure or inside, including a transportation network to grow and thrive economically. However, he did not think that the Constitution said anything about the authority to build, maintain, and operate a national transportation system. He tried to convince Congress to introduce a constitutional amendment granting it such power. Congress never acted on his suggestion because many legislators thought they had already implied authority to enact such measures. The issue came to a head when Congress passed a bill in 1822 to repair the Cumberland Road or National Road and equip it with a system of tolls. This great national road ran from Cumberland, Maryland, to the town of Wheeling in western Virginia. Monroe vetoed the bill. However, it was his contention that the states through which the road passed should undertake the setting up and collecting of tolls because Congress lacked the authority to do so. After, however, after discussing the issue with many people, including some justices of the U.S. Supreme Court, the president changed his mind. In 1824, he signed an internal improvements bill and... In 1825, he signed a bill that extended the Cumberland Road from Wheeling to Zanesville, Ohio. Monroe's two greatest foreign accomplishments were the accomplishment of getting or inducting Spanish Florida to the United States. For years, southern plantation owners and white farmers in Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina had lost runaway slaves to the Florida swamps. Seminole and Creek Indians offered refuge to these slaves and led raids against white settlers in the border regions. The U.S. government could do little about the problem because the swamps lay deep within Spanish Florida. If the United States moved decisively against the Seminoles, it would risk war with Spain. Although the United States had tried to convince Spain to cede the territory on various occasions, including during the president as special envoy to Spain in 1805, its efforts had failed. With the War of 1812, the U.S. government turned its attention to the raids. President Monroe sent General Andrew Jackson to the Florida border in 1818. 
After Jackson's troops invaded Florida, captured a Spanish fort at St. Mark's, took control of Pen Pen Pensacola, and deposed the Spanish governor, the Spanish ceded Florida to the United States. The Monroe Doctrine was engaged in diplom diplomacy was after he engaged in diplomacy with Spain regarding its Latin American co colonies. These lands had begun to break free from Spain in the early 1800s, gaining the sympathy of the United States. At the same time, rumors abounded that Spain's allies might help the once vast empire to reclaim its lost colonies. To counter the planned move, Britain proposed a joint U.S.-British declaration against European intervention in the Western Hemisphere. Secretary of State Adams convinced Monroe that if the United States issued a joint statement, it would look like the United States was simply adopting U.S.-Britain's policy. On December 2, 1823, in his annual message to Congress, Mon President Monroe addressed the subject in three parts. He first reiterated the traditional U.S. policy of neutrality. He then declared that the United States would not accept the recolonization of any country by its former European master. Finally, he stated that the European countries should no longer consider the Western Hemisphere open to new colonization. The jab aimed primarily at Russia, which was attempting to expand its colony on the northern Pacific coast. This outro was made by Danny Gonzalez.